Today's holy meditational passages remind me of the spiritual. I want Jesus to walk with me. It says, I want Jesus to walk with me. I want Jesus to walk with me. Along my pilgrim journey, Lord, I want Jesus to walk with me. Good morning. Please turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, <laughs> do you really want Jesus to walk with you? Several years ago, while on tour with a well-known international musician, I traveled to the Midwest to perform at a jazz festival. The driver showed up filled with excitement, overjoyed to do her job, which was to drive us from the hotel to the venue. She was a youngish black woman who appeared to have seen many harsh days and challenges in her journey, yet she was beaming, overflowing with life. Not because she was about to meet some top names in music, or that she was likely to meet some famous people. There was something else in her story. I couldn't particularly unpack it at that moment, but I knew that I knew something of rich substance was in there. I watched as the others in my group chuckled under their breath at the woman's over-the-top expression of joy. She took up roughly 90% of the conversational space it was normally the top dogs of, us, of this group who took up most of the space with weird jokes that walked a very thin line between downright rude and crassly bitter. Never funny, but everyone felt compelled to laugh because people often laughed at the jokes of people who could you know, pay the bills. I guess that in their minds, she wasn't supposed to be this happy. Given her worn and faded dress clothes and the awkwardness in her speech, it was they who should be happy, given their status and a long list of accolades and performance credits. But outer vestments speak little truth about what's happening on the inside. Do you really want Jesus to walk with you? We gathered into the car, and as a woman inquired about our journeys in the music industry, she didn't ask questions about money or fame. She asked questions about our families, friendships, and experiences with trying varieties of food along our travels. She asked questions about love. She wasn't interested in anyone's status, and this brought on more uncomfortable laughter. She was intent on going deeper into talking about those things that are long-lasting and unbreakable. I observed the contrast between our complaining about traffic and the, anything inconveniencing us about sound check and the driver's pleasant remarks and her outlook. Amid the band's sad commentary and the woman's happy chatter, a pedestrian walked right in front of the car as she, the driver attempted to make a right turn. And the people in the car immediately began cursing the man, calling him names and so forth. But the woman's voice pierced the air saying, now, wait a minute now, 
that man could be Jesus. And most of those riding in the car held back their laughter, and one of them mocks her. Oh, that could be Jesus? The question excited her even more. She didn't miss a beat and said, yes, Jesus can show up anywhere. You have to be ready and treat people right. Observing the varieties of strata and the points of tension just rising in the car, I considered that this woman, our dryad Ver, could also have been Jesus. Lorraine Hansberry, in her work to be young, gifted, and black, utters these words, baby, you could be Jesus in drag, but if you're brown, they're sure you're selling. Unfortunately, Elements of this statement could be replaced by countless others and be applied to several situations and social political contexts. The driver's dress, mild lack of tact, and choice in language, but joyful disposition disrupted the status quo. She loved, despite, as Bell Hooks puts it, the overwhelming pressure to conform to a loveless culture. Most of the car's passengers were well-known in their field, they were well-traveled, had lots of money, and people, mostly groupies, sought their attention and their respect. They perhaps in some way had assumed that they were Jesus. And do you really want Jesus to walk with you? Yeah, and behold, there it was, that thing I couldn't at first glance put my finger on, I knew it when I saw her joy, her light. She was one of those dear beloved folks who always lived in expectation that Jesus would show up and walk with them. She knew that our Lord could show up in the middle of crises, sadness, busy traffic on a Friday afternoon. You know what I mean if you've been on the four or five hours freeway. What would you do if Jesus came up to you along the way and said, what are you doing? What are you talking about? Why are you sad? This woman had the right perspective. Jesus expect, she expected Jesus to show up to be with her. She looked for Jesus. She could see Jesus and recognize him in the chaos, the fights and losses in life. She saw him in other people at the stoplights and in the everyday lull of life. Had it not been for the stranger to walk in front of the car, I would have not had the blessed opportunity to get real proof of what was the source of the limo driver's joy, expanding and rising love. Her words cut deep into my heart. I immediately recalled the one story that spoke of Jesus showing up unrecognized. Yeah, we know about Jesus talking to Mary after his resurrection, where she misreads him and sees him as the gardener. However, Luke's story has some interesting parts. Jesus showed up with a question that was actually an invitation. The last time he did this was in John 4, when he asked the Samaritan woman for a drink and there started a rich spiritual and theological conversation. He did the same thing on the way to Emmaus. He asked the two young disciples, 
what are you discussing? And my first reaction was, wow, Jesus, you're nosy. But that wasn't nosiness as it pertains to the shenanigans that come with gossip. This inquiry was fueled with true love and compassion. And I've learned as a spiritual caregiver that to be nosy like Jesus is a good spiritual practice. It is always best to ask people questions first rather than to barge in and tell them what to do. The Lord and Messiah, this Jesus who was crucified, wanted to show up and be with them and let them know that the story was incomplete. Jesus walked with Cleopas and the other disciple about seven miles toward Emmaus. And they saw him, but they didn't see him. A seven-mile walk is long enough to check a person out, you think, to look him in the face and to hear his voice but they didn't have a clue. They were too busy wrestling with all the things about Jesus of Nazareth, the mighty prophet and word and deed, who by their interpretation was a defeated mystery that they did not recognize or yet know the risen Lord walking and talking with them. And let me point out three types of sight here. The first refers to a physical sight as in I looked over Jordan and what did I see, you know? The second refers to recognition as in knowing and understanding. For example, the metaphor, I see the light, means, oh, oh, now I see, or now I understand, and reflect, it reflects a deeper knowledge of something or someone. According to Bell Hooks, knowledge is an integral ingredient in genuine love. And the third type of sight refers to being present, that concerns a spatial, geographical, spherical view, when Jesus vanished from their sight, he left their presence. James Cones, black liberation theologian, his version of the spiritual carries this lyric. Be with me, Lord Jesus, be with me. Be with me, Lord, be with me. When I'm on my lonesome journey, I want Jesus to be with me. And when they came to the village's entrance, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed. Their eyes were opened when they took bread, blessed it, when he took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them at the table. And they recognized him and began to understand and to grow in their knowledge of him. And this meal is considered the two, one of two of the most important meals in Luke's story. The first is the Last Supper. It is between these two meals that we get the meat or full sight, the looking, the knowing through hearing him and being with him of our faith in Jesus's crucifixion, death and resurrection, which is a revelation of the scriptures beginning with Moses and all the prophets pointing to him. At that very moment that he left their presence, they said, and this is one of my favorites. Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures? Jesus. Jesus is the walking interpretation, a deeper understanding of the scriptures. At that time, he was like a living and breathing slideshow presentation of the biblical text. 
And why is this so? They were to tell everyone because the story that appeared to be incomplete was now about to be reopened to become a continuous story of the followers of Christ, a beloved community who look like Jesus and see Jesus and others and bring Jesus's presence into all spaces they enter. The two disciples must have been young and fit. The text says that they got up and returned to Jerusalem at the same hour that Jesus vanished from the table. Um, that's another seven miles. And what did they do? They told the 11 and all the others who were with them, the Lord has risen indeed and he has appeared to Simon. Um, excuse me, but they forgot about those women who were first to hear what the two messengers had said at the tomb. He is not here, he has risen. They even told the stranger on the road that these women had astounded them with their message, that he was alive. <laughs> but I'll cut them some slack. They had just completed the second seven mile walk for the day. And the details of who saw what first and who heard what first are small in comparison to who has risen. This is truly the good news of the day. For them and for us, it is the greatest news. Jesus came to them, walked with them, talked with them, opened their eyes, deepening their understanding of the whip, the depth, the greatness of God, his love. I don't know about you, but as for me, I really want Jesus to walk with me. Think about it. When you're overcome with sadness, loss, and defeat, when you're happy but afraid that it will only last a few seconds, wondering what darkness hides around the next corner, when people see you as an outsider, when you feel put upon and too much has been expected of you, God's love is much greater than such things. I think of the day I met that limo driver and her unwavering faith-filled perspective of the journey. Her perspective reflected the words of Reverend Dr. Anna Pauline Murray. When my siblings draw, when my siblings try to draw a circle to exclude me, I will draw a larger circle to include them. Jesus walks with us to remind us to love big, bigger than our obstacles, bigger than our troubles, bigger than our haters, and bigger than those things in our lives that we might never ever come to understand. Beloved ones, the word risen means much more than getting up from the dead and leaving the tomb. It means we can and will see him. We will know him deeply and he is walking with us. And I repeat, he is walking with us. If a little yeast makes dough not only rise, but expand, growing and taking up more and more space, then the rising of Jesus and his love doesn't just go up, but stretches out and keeps on going. May we, his beloved community, continue to rise with him despite the lovelessness we encounter along the way.
Love is the one thing we can hold on to beyond the grave. So I say, the Lord has risen indeed. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.